0: Welcome. welcome to the SA Rugby Podcast where we bring you the latest news,
1: updates and interviews. Get more insights from the
0: Springboks, there it is, the
1: Springboks, Champions of the
0: World. The Juniorboks, the Blitzboks, our two national women's teams, local competitions and more. Good day and welcome to the SA Rugby Podcast. My name is De Jong Borchardt and I work in the communications department at SA Rugby. And uh, I'll be hosting the first podcast today, which features our director of Rugby, Rassi Erasmus. Rassi, uh, it's great to have you on the line. I'm gonna jump straight in and I'm gonna ask you uh, something that most of people
1: would probably wanna know. What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks during the lockdown? Yes, afternoon, De Jong. It's, it's nice to chat to you and, and all the listeners. I know it's one of our first that we have a go at this, so hopefully it's successful. Yeah, I think like, like most other people, you know, um, I think we all are discussing this virus and all the different things that it does to us. I'm sitting at home with five women here with me. I've got three daughters and obviously my wife and the nanny who raised my twins since they were small is still living with us in the house. So I'm, I'm just trying to manage five women, you know. So apart from that, you know, three dogs with me here. So yeah, we, we're waiting for the lockdown to finish and listen to what our president say, And then hopefully we can all slowly get back to what we love to do.
0: Have uh, you had time to do a little bit of exercising? I see people are running around their houses and jumping up and down stairs and all kinds of funny things.
1: To be honest with you, um, I must put up my hand. You know, we daily have uh, one-on-ones with the players via all the different uh, you know, uh, electronic media that that's available and internet and everything. And we all tell them conditioning, conditioning. But I, I'm one of the guilty ones. As I say, we stay in a normal house, not on a small holding or something like that. So I've got three massive dogs, you know, a Rottweiler and a Bullmastiff and a Bulldog and then all of these women. So uh, um, not that I didn't have time, but I've been lazy, to be honest with you. Uh,
0: honesty is the best policy, as they say. <laughs> Russia, you're talking about uh, conversing with players and, and, and getting the work done and using... Um, electronic channels available in these times Uh, you've you've caused a bit of a a stir recently with your uh, your debut on twitter Uh, started posting very interesting videos from the from the springbok change room stuff that people would not normally have seen talk us through your your thoughts when it came to posting those videos what 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 are your aims do you aim to speak to fans or to players or just show people what it's about what what was that all about
1: Yeah you know um I was one of the guys uh, you know, I was never into into those things you know Facebook we have a family Facebook page but I uh, I think that's the closest thing I got to to social media obviously with twin daughters who're 16 they they're very into all the Instagrams and all the latest things that's available but I quickly realized at the World Cup that you know um We as coaches uh, sit and talk to players. Let's say we start 7 o'clock in the morning and we finish at 5. And in between, you know, there's lunch and physio uh, massages and treatment. So, you know, the amount of time that we are actually exposed to the players is actually very limited to what they are exposed to to social media. And and it was actually a medium that irritated me a lot until I I saw the light and, and, and... understood it and understood the place for it in in, in any sport and and, uh, anywhere in any facet of life and just decided to uh, stop fighting against it and rather work with it. Because you can firstly, um, you know, I think I saw during the World Cup, you know, our fans, supporters and media, when we started the Hashtag Stronger Together, I just saw the more honest and open and, you know, if you put it out there and you and you and you hide nothing, you just get tremendous support and, and working together like stronger together were. So the first thing was obviously to 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 give the the supporters and the media and everybody a little bit of insights of how we did things at the World Cup, and also for them sometimes to understand that in a rugby, which is a team sport, you know, it is not always the best player. Uh, you know uh, that might work in golf or single sport where you you play on your own, but there's a lot of other things outside outside just a guy who's a brilliant player, uh, um, and I think that was one of the big reasons why we won the World Cup. You know, there wasn't any players with egos or entitlement. Uh, So, yeah, it was nice just to share with the, you know, the the supporters that, and I know the media obviously listens to that or or see that. And then obviously the the players now, uh, the new players who want to come into the mix, you know, uh, some of them might see it. So, overall, it's just a nice way of of giving people uh, more insight into how we operate and how we do things.
0: Very interesting. Um, Today is, of course, the 2nd of May, and um, we are celebrating the six-month anniversary of that wonderful day at the International Stadium in Yokohama. When uh, the Springboks beat England in the Rugby World Cup final, with you, CI and the boys in charge, there. Let's go back. When you look back at what you guys achieved in Japan last year, what are your what are your thoughts about?
1: I'll uh, be honest with you, you know, um, uh, since I would say we definitely, when we got back with the whole trophy tour and here yeah, November, December, you know, the holidays and all the replays and the reruns and you know. Uh, in the beginning of January it was um you're totally in the clouds and can't believe it and I can't believe how much people in South Africa from all different sections of you know business people the normal guy in the street you know from my gardener who helps me yeah, everybody was just it's just amazing what it did but i must say yes yeah, since you know we started working it's, it's actually back to normal you know because i think the biggest challenge is you know um yeah, i'm so desperate uh, at the young to to be one of the guys that we all said in uh, you know um, 1995 we lost the opportunity after 1995 uh, and after 2007 we said we lost the opportunity. So um, I want to make sure that you know it wasn't just happiness. Um, I think uh, there's a difference between hope and happiness. And and everybody says, yeah, we gave people hope because we won. Um, I, I feel, yes, it's true. Uh, but I think we gave them also happiness. But if we now take our foot off the pedal and, you know, and we slip up and we, you know, we start not playing that well and our win record dips and, and you know, we're not doing as well, you know, with transformation and we're not open and transparent with the media and honest with the supporters, then I feel we will be a failure again, like after uh, 95 and 2007. So, yes, I must say it was lovely. It was fantastic. But I, I'm more feeling the pressure now of I don't want to say that, that my children one day say in the year 2035 or whatever, yeah, we dropped the ball in 2020, you know. So we want to make sure that hope stays open. It, it's not a short happiness spell.
0: A big step that the Springboks took this year was obviously the appointment of Jacques Ninaba a Springbok head coach. You've worked with Jacques for many years. Another big uh, positive is obviously the fact that Jacques has been involved with the Springboks at various levels from 2011 onwards. He worked with Peter de Villiers. He worked with Heineken Meyer, obviously with you. A lot of the players he also know well, knows well, um, working with them from junior levels and up. How will this benefit the Springboks, especially during this time of a transition in coaching?
1: yeah the it's a it's a question that i think a lot of the supporters and, and media obviously a lot of media has asked me this question already um and i and I guess you know it's sometimes tough for people to make a mind shift in terms of how things operate because sometimes it's habit sometimes it's tradition like normally uh in the past you know the springbok coach would have reported straight to the c e o uh uh and and you know in a sense, uh, um, it, that that worked for a while, but um, what I experienced in, in in Ireland and some of the other countries when I did my homework, it's just the moment when a, a springbok coach um, referred to an administrator. There's always sometimes a little bit of a grey area of, of where the buck stop. You know, of course, you know how much. Uh, is the CEO or, you know, uh, one of the administrators supposed to know about rugby on the field? You know, there's a lot of them that do know a lot about it, but not all of them. So, you know, um, that's why Jock is such a nice fit, you know, uh, to 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 fit into that position. Uh, me being the director of rugby obviously reports to me. And, you know, if it doesn't go well on the field, you know, I should be the guy also who takes the blame. You know, because um, I was one of the big drivers to get him there. And when it's rugby-specific stuff, you know, um, Jock should be able to come to me and I should be able to help him. Uh, So to tell you in short, yes, he's been involved uh, with every player almost at every level. And he's done from the kicking game to the defence. Lots of times when I was not there, even last year, uh, you know, we – um, made him to run certain sessions and video sessions. So, you know, um, I've got all the confidence that he's got the ability, the experience, the respect from the players. And then, as you say, the big thing is he knows every single player because he was the high-performance manager at SA Ruck before a while when all of those guys were youngsters coming through the different age groups. So I think that's a massive benefit for us.
0: Definitely. And then bringing through experienced coaches to work with him, such as Dion Davids, who's earned his spurs at, at many levels. Um, Ms. Wandele stick has been involved. Um, I think many of our, our Springbok fans will be interested to hear, what is the role of Felix Jones? He joined the Springboks last year just before the World Cup. It's obviously someone that you guys know well, and you, and you obviously rate him quite highly. How much of, a, of an advantage is it to have a guy like Felix, who's based in the UK and who sits there and works with our players that are also based there, because that is the reality of, of, of rugby that we are in at the moment.
1: Yes, and the Jong, I might take a little bit long, I won't take too long, but I'll, I'd like to a little bit elaborate uh, on, on that question, because it's a great question. I think the creativity of, of, of rugby... Uh, you know, when I coached, it was always on the field, the creativity of rugby. You, you know, had to find plans and, you know, a 6-2 split and, you know, maybe lights on the roof. There's, other, there's always something else you could have uh, outsmarted people with. It could have been a fitness program or a game plan. And, and yes, still the, the, that place, obviously still the biggest role. But I think the creativity when it comes to national level, Springbok level, you know, country versus country, I think the creativity now has to come in there. Uh, um, I've got no doubt if we didn't last year, uh, took the 30 test cap rule away, we wouldn't have won the World Cup. Uh, I've got no doubt about that. And and I've got no doubt that we also couldn't keep the players in South Africa, because we just don't have the money to keep them here. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just reality. And the moment you accept that reality and you say, OK, how are we going to work with this and we find creative ways around that, you know, as you know, we, we sent out a letter last year to all the clubs all over the world and said, listen, here, we got, we're going to enforce Regulation 9 that the players are available for us. Uh, but the problem always with that was uh, when you get a player, he's sometimes injured or unfit or he doesn't know the game plan. So as we have alignment camps currently yeah, we're obviously doing it virtually now um, daily. We've been doing it every day, six, well, six or seven players, um, myself and Jacques and all the other coaches, Felix, we do it online. Uh, but before that, we had alignment camps physically with the Lions when they had a buy, with the Bulls when they had a buy. But Felix actually went to all the overseas players who was in the reckoning, and he had alignment camps with them. Uh, you know, he took, uh, say, Andre Pollard and his wife out for dinner, brought him up to speed. What is our plan this year? Are we going to train? Where are we going to play? So he actually had a l- alignment camps with uh, overseas-based players. So the surprise, I guess we want to eliminate the surprises when those guys fall back into us because we didn't have contact with them. And, and that's the big role Felix played for us.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Uh, Rassi, another big change that you brought in was uh, the appointment of a dietitian to work with the Spring Box. I think there's at the moment, there's even two dietitians in the, in the structures at SA Rugby. Hmm. How much of a help was that? And, and it must be good to have them available to, to guide players in terms of what they should and shouldn't eat during a time like we're in at the moment with, with lockdown. And and the the, the the players can't get to gyms. They don't train on the field, so their lifestyles have changed.
1: Yes, uh, I think two things. Uh, uh, the first one, um, you know, Elliot Walters is our uh, SNC coach. Uh, you know, he's doing a tremendous work currently with helping the guys to be creative and trying to stay fit. Uh, of course, it's the unknown, and I know we all say it, uh, but it is the unknown when we're going to play again. So it's very difficult, and all all, all players have different. Um, you know situations and houses and some apartments and some on some on farms and some with no equipment and gym equipment. So it's it's a, it's a tough challenge, but Alex doing a wonderful job of that. And we're currently monitoring more or less seventy five players. Uh, which we think is springbok material who can play for us in the next couple of years, and then the dieticians. You know, we've got two ladies. You know, Zenat, and, and then we also appointed another lady in for the sevens and and on the women's and so on. Uh, um, so that the big the big benefit is uh, the young. In the past, you know, I felt we didn't do the. Uh, it's going to sound funny, uh, and, I, and I was also guilty of it. I was also part of it. Uh, people always uh, chat about those one percenters, you know, what makes that difference, that extra one percent. Now, uh, I, th- I, th- I thought in the past, you know, we were just chasing the one percenters, but we didn't get the 80 percent right, which is being professional, work hard, you know, uh, you know. Uh, uh, be an ultimate professional and take ownership of being a professional. Of course, you can't have a dietitian, but then the boys, uh, is, uh, still lacks in big departments of the game. So I thought the, the moment when we, we set that standard within the Springbok camp, listen here, yeah, this is how we work, this is how we operate, this is how professional these, then you can add those 1%, that's like a dietitian. Well, that's probably more than 1%, it's probably 5, 6%. Uh, but you know, uh, Zena together with, with Alan, uh, the conditioning coach and the doctor and the dietitian, and the physios they work together in tandem. Um, and she's definitely contributing uh, a lot and, and a lot. Um, hopefully, we'll see. They'll be disappointed in, in how big I got. But hopefully, uh, we are not disappointed when we see the players again. Because she's been in contact with all of them, you know, uh, weekly and daily.
0: You've obviously now alluded to the bigger picture here. And... Uh, when you first came back to South African rugby in 2018, a lot of the focus was on getting the Springboks back on track. Um, it was a it was a year and a bit before the Rugby World Cup, which was a big aim for you guys. But now with Jacques taking over, um, there's obviously a bit of a broader focus. How do you plan to get stuck in with our? Other national teams, the blitz box, the junior box, the women's teams yeah. going forward and working obviously with players through the provinces.
1: Maybe before I answer that, I must maybe just clarify for people the fact that we have a rugby department, which I'm the you know that the, the director of rugby, but there's still a general manager in the rugby department, uh, Charles Feschels, who does, you know, um, in the rugby department, there's obviously the national teams, there's obviously a medical department in the rugby department, a technical department, you know. So there's a lot of departments in the in the rugby department. But the, I must say that people don't don't think I, I sit in an office and work out budgets and stuff like that all the time. So our general manager, uh, Charles Vessels, who was also our team manager last year, he now moved back to the office. And all the operational administrative stuff he's taking care of. So uh, my role is to... Uh, Every rugby-specific thing, when it comes to rugby, you know, um, I'm involved with. So I would never in my life try to uh, um, say for the medical department in any way. I'm not qualified. I'm not clever enough. Uh, You know, I I would never give my opinion about medical things, but the moment – how a team doctor operates within a team management and how the S&C coach operates within that system. That's where I get involved. Uh, you know, I would never get into the, Same with the technical department. You know, I wouldn't go out and tell those guys how they must do their technical work, but how they do it for the spring box and what is the end result that we want. So first of all is there's a general manager. So I'm, I'm not an admin person who sits there in an the office and do admin all the, di- all the time. There is somebody there who does that. But then with the national team, Teams and our elite player development pathways from under 15 uh, right through to to the SA schools, um, I'm involved with again, and in, in every in every um, I will say uh, section a, a different responsibility with the Springboks. It will always be winning, winning, you know, uh, uh, integrated with transformation, building squad depth and getting uh, a good experience. And, and winning is the ultimate, and that's what I help them to do. With the junior springbok, uh, the, the goal for me there, uh, you know, the junior springbok coach must let them win. I'm helping there to see that the players are developing and holistically uh, and, and develop that the moment that they finish with the junior springboks, I know all of them and uh they've got a good idea what it takes to be a springbok, but their head coach is the guy who must uh, make them win. Uh, with the uh, sevens, both the men's and the women, you know, there isn't better sevens coaches than Neil Pell, Renfrit, and Paul, and those guys, and Maurice Kuman as their high-performance manager. So there it's more a case of, me assisting, uh, getting a Cheslin Colby available, getting Quagha signed on a three-month contract for the Olympics, those kind of things. That's more something where I I can help them to make sure, should this player play 15s? How long should he play 7s? And and me and Neil and those guys talk about that. And then in the women's, which is obviously a massive challenge in terms of, of, of you know the pathways and uh, just the tradition of women playing rugby in South Africa. Um, currently, uh, I was looking. Uh, we had tremendous amount of uh, good matches building up to next year's World Cup. Unfortunately, the virus you know took that away from us. But um, we are trying to get that women's program up to speed, and the first thing that we wanted to do is get a, a high performance women's a uh, uh, lady in who is experienced working with women because we feel we've got wonderful programs, but we're definitely lacking some somebody with experience to help us run those programs. That's on the women's side, but obviously then on the specific coaching of the women's 15s, you know, there I can help Stanley Robenheim plan. I was at their camp. We would have had a three-month camp now before we started playing test matches, but that's all been bin. And then the last thing from our Elite Players Development Pathways, you know, uh, Louis Kuhn is managing that with Herman Massimla and, and Miku Serfontein. But uh, we sit in the beginning of the year, we go through all of that, we, we set down the goals and then, you know, I don't know all those players, but I know exactly how those programs run and what we're trying to achieve. And I sit with those managers regularly and making sure that we're still on track there.
0: You mentioned the the Elite Player Development Programme, which is obviously a very important cog in the bigger wheel of the South African rugby machine but even more so this year with the unfortunate cancelling of the youth weeks and and that mm. will bring you know the work done by by um louis uh, herman masimla nico sarfontein barry mcdonald and guys mm. like hilton adonis it'll it'll bring it to the fore much more
1: uh, how do you see that working out this year and they are they are just plowing ahead yeah i can't give them enough credit um We started that program in 2014 and and obviously it got better and better and better. Uh, The first year, first one, two, you know, the first beginning there were some growing pains. But the the network that uh, that group has now in terms of of resources that working together in uh, provincial unions with scouts there, you know, developing players, uh, supporting players, you know, if it's with a mentor or with, uh, you know, a doctor or with nutrition, um, you know, uh, or with a program or getting him gym access or moving him maybe from one school to another school, you know, uh, uh, those guys do all of those kind of things. And, And I must tell you, I had a meeting this morning with Louis. You know, even without us playing the Craven Week this year, because the system is filtering so well, and, and, you know, we've got data on every player and they do basic skill tests. They, you know, they, there's a whole profile that's built up on every player. So we obviously can't tell you who's the best 15 or 23 without seeing them play at the Craven Week. But we definitely know who's the top 45 and, and, and who's likely number one and number two and number three. And the same with under 16s and under 17s and so on. So I guess if we didn't have that program, it would have been a year that was totally lost. Uh, But because those guys, you know, their things are just so in order, we will have those things on record. And we're still thinking and trying of ways to uh, uh, still in some way uh, this year, even if we just select those teams, uh, uh, even if they don't play, um, you know, we're still working around solutions that uh, we don't just have them on paper and we miss that whole year. But luckily with their great work, you know, I I feel it's actually just a tournament that we're going to miss. We still know who is where and who's ranked where uh, where in the system.
0: Rasi, thanks. Before we wrap up, I've just got a bit of a more of a lighthearted question. Obviously, you played at the highest level not too long ago. Um, Now, during lockdown, we see a lot of these classic matches being played out on Supersport and you see them on social media. Um, Looking back at your playing days, is there any one of your teammates uh, that you would love to coach as a Springbok coach now? Who would that be and why?
1: Yes, the um, I'll tell you what is, what is, what is interesting is, and maybe not funny, but, uh, I was, I was 32 and I stopped playing and the next year I coached the Curry Cup. So I played when I was 32 in 1990, uh, no, no, 2004. I played my last Curry Cup game, uh, in the final against the Bulls, which we lost. And then the next year I coached the Cheetahs in the Curry Cup final. So the, the previous year, you know, I was the captain, but I played with Naka Drotsky and Osturant and all of those guys. And then the next year I started coaching them. So that was that was weird. It was weird uh, coaching. There were two or three guys that was older than me in the team, like Naka and so on. So that was definitely an experience, but that was a cutting cup level. Uh, and, and, it, and it took some getting used to. But coaching somebody at springbok level, I think the interesting most interesting person would be because I know his personality and our naughties and our goodies and uh would be rather swannable. we called him Smiley. he was my roommate always since since we started uh uh playing uh together he always u s it wasn't in the u s on the west days in iraq or so u s obviously played ahead of him most of the time but uh you know um he was the kind of guy that you know always time for a joke, uh, but was a brilliant rugby player, a good team man, uh, naughty. Uh, it would have been interesting to coach him uh, I'm not sure if, if I would have been able to handle him so well but yeah that would have been a good one to coach Smiley
0: uh, Do you think Smiley would wear one of those little fuff brookies that, uh, that fuff wore after the final <laughs> I know I'm only kidding you don't have to answer that No I'm not um, <laughs> <laughs> Rossi thanks so much for your time uh, before we say goodbye do you have any special uh, messages to the listeners looking ahead of the rest of the year in an uncertain time
1: Yeah well first of all you know we all uh, everybody says it and there's so many wonderful messages from all different people on on all the different channels on TV and TV and social media. And I can just reiterate, you know, I can say we all we're all struggling a bit. We all we all some people are really ill and some of us are just are just frustrated staying home and just wanna say we all feel the same, you know, um, but I know these people are really struggling and I really hope it, it, it gets better for them. Yeah, hang I in mean, there. I can tell you from our side, uh, we are really working so hard, especially with the teams that we definitely know that's gonna play rugby this year, with which will be the spring box. We're not sure what's gonna happen in super rugby and all the other things, but the spring box they might not play all the test matches but they will play. And I just want to guarantee them that we are working really hard. And whenever this thing is over and the Springboks uh, will be back on the field, we will make you guys proud li- like we did last year. And, yeah, as we said last year, you know, we, if we work hard and play well and you guys support well and the media reports well, then we're stronger together and, and nothing should change because of this virus. Uh, yeah, and hopefully we can just just go on like last year.
0: And Rossi, thank you very much for your time and um, all the best on that side.
1: Thanks, Deon. Cheers, man. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for listening and please join us again for the next SA Rugby Podcast. For more, click on springbox.rugby or check out our social media channels.